Tonight on the Honky Tonk Time Machine, we get to complete the trifecta. We've already spoken with Larry Stewart from Restless Heart, Tim Russell from Little Texas, the guys that make up two-thirds of the front men of country, and now Richie McDonald from Lone Star joins us. Richie, I'm really glad we are able to work this out. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome, Glenn. Thanks for having me. How much fun has it been joining forces with those other two guys and, and doing this front men thing? You know, just getting back on stage and, and playing all these number one songs that are really uh, part of people's lives over the past, you know, however many years, you know, from Russell's Heart to Little Texas to Lone Star. So um, we have a great time on stage. We have a fun time. We we try to get the uh, the audience involved in what we're doing, and uh, they're kind of an intimate show, you know, and you, you might hear a story behind the song that you might know why you might not know why we recorded a certain song or why a little section re- recorded a little so- a certain song or why, you know, the rest of the art recorded a certain song. And talking to Larry and Tim, they kind of led me to believe that the whole frontman thing was your idea to start with. I guess back in 2007 when I had, you know, decided to leave Lone Star for the first time, uh, Larry and I were doing a show down in Baton Rouge for a radio station doing a, a benefit concert, and we were waiting to go on stage, and I said, hey, Larry, I said, I got an idea uh, doing a trio, uh, you and me and, you know, whoever else we can find, and then Tim Rushlow just happened to be a perfect fit, and I said, and we call it the front men, because we were all front men of three very successful bands, and uh, which started, you know, we started doing tours overseas for the Navy right away, and we did quite a few of those, and we just saw the reaction, and we thought, man, we could, you know, do some more of these shows if we wanted to, and then, uh, you know, fast forward, I guess, you know, 10, 13, 14 years later, you know, when COVID hit, um, we just kind of decided to, you know, dive in, you know, head first and, and do this thing full time, and, um so, and that's what we're doing. We're having a blast doing it and just enjoy getting out there and singing these songs, you know, you know, from our uh, perspective groups and, and singing harmony with one another. So it's a lot of fun. It seemed like early on, especially, you guys really focused on the military and putting on shows for them. Why was that important to you to be able to kind of give back to our, our men and women in the armed forces? Well, I think, um, you know, once – once we started doing it and going over there and, and just seeing, um, you know, how these men and women that were, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away from their families, how our music really brought them closer and, and made them, you know, it kind of brought them a little, you know, piece of home to them. And we just saw the reaction. We saw, you know, we saw young men and women just crying when they, you know, when we would sing I'm Already There or God Bless, even God Bless Texas or, or you know, What Might Have Been or I'll Still Be Loving You. And you just, you could see what the music meant to them. And so it, we, it was just, you know, we were honored to do it. We felt like that we were making a difference in their lives. It was very important. Richie McDonald, the former lead singer of Lone Star, now with the frontman of country. Uh, you talked about singing all these songs from all three of these bands and you get to sing background on some of the restless heart songs or some of the little Texas songs. So I got to ask you, what's your favorite like uh, restless heart song to, to sing on? Well, without a doubt. I mean, there's a bunch of them because I always tease Larry in the show. I always say, man, I grew up listening to your song and I always do it on the bluest eyes in Texas because, <laughs> and it's kind of a joke, but you know, restless heart, you know, they obviously started, you know, they got their start before little Texas and Lone Star and just one of those bands that kind of, 
you know, paved the way for bands like us. And uh, But, you know, being from Texas and, and Tim as well, Tim can relate to this. You know, we were in we were in bar bands back in the day, and that's where we got our start. And uh, we were playing top 40 country music, and a lot of that top 40 country music back then was Restless Heart. And I always tell them, you know, I grew up listening to music, and if I had a dime for every time that I played, you know, Bluest Eyes in Texas back then, I'd be a rich man. But uh, <laughs> that's probably my favorite. We've got some other ones, you know, I'll Still Be Loving You and Wrong or Right. Just, um, But that's probably my favorite, Restless Heart, and then my favorite – little Texas song to sing along with is probably has to be what might have been because that was uh, mine and my wife's song back then. I had moved to Nashville and we were apart for about a year and that song was out. And uh, although Tim talks about this in the show, he said people have it why, you know, where you could have went one way or the other. Well, it actually worked out for Lori and I, but that was our song while we were apart. So it has a lot of, it has a special meaning to me. Yeah, the three bands, that's what's great about you three getting together is that you know restless heart kind of represents that 80s decade where uh little texas 90s lone star 90s and into the 2000s so you really do have three decades covered there yeah and you know and i think about you know tim and larry represented the mullet very well too back then <laughs> yes they did <laughs> <laughs> you never sported the mullet did you you know not during the record deal. I think uh, when I was in, a, you know, when Lone Star first started out, we had Texas C. I probably, I was borderline, you know, it was touching the, it's probably touching the collar, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, it didn't get, it didn't get down there too far to be a full-fledged mullet. It's it stayed business in the front, but never got the party in the back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, when I asked Larry and Tim the same question about favorite songs of Lone Star to sing on, they both said, um, I'm already there. And they said it was because of the story that you tell during the show of writing it. They didn't get into the details too much of that story. So I figured I'd ask you and how you came to write that one. It is a very, you know, it's very close to my heart just because, you know, Red is 25. Actually, Red just turned 26. So when he was four years old, 22 years ago, we were in a hotel room in Southern California and I uh, called home one night and been gone for like six weeks. And right before I hung up the phone with Lori and Rhett, and that squeaky little four-year-old voice, you know, he goes, Daddy, he goes, when are you coming home? And, um, man, it just hit me so hard that, you know, I hung up the phone and I was crying. And I just thought, you know, physically I'm not there, but mentally I'm already there. And I thought that. And as I thought it, I thought, man, that sounds like a good, good country song. And I started working on it and and Rhett, <clears throat> Rhett had a little imaginary friend that used to be on the playground called the captain and then he had an imaginary friend that was in the house called Anne Marie and so that's how that line got into the song mm. I'm your you know I'm whispering I'm your imaginary friend and wow. um that's you know that's where it came from and you know just um you know a, a song that came out of a personal uh, situation with my family has gone on, you know, like I said, like when we were doing the Navy tours, just to see the tears in these men and women's eyes, to see what that song meant to them and, and knew that, that they, they had loved ones that they felt the same way about that, you know, back somewhere, you know, in the U.S. Richie, I want to get a little more background on you. I understand that you were born in Lubbock, Texas. Is that right? Well, that's, I was uh, actually born in Dallas, but I was raised in Lubbock because okay. so, I moved there at such an early age. So I always just say I'm from Lubbock. 
uh, just kind of simplifies things a little bit. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Lubbock, Texas is kind of where I was, you know, that's where I spent most of my life. I would imagine a, a rich uh, musical influence just around those parts growing up. Absolutely, without a doubt. You know, um, Buddy Holly, Mac Davis, uh, Waylon Jennings is, you know, down, you know, out from outside of Lubbock a little ways. And um, it was just a great place to be, and especially growing up as a kid and, and you know, just being introduced to uh, really country music at an early age just from a radio station there in Lubbock, KLLL. And um, I just, you know, kind of went from loving music to junior high to playing the guitar to playing in talent shows to high school to singing in choir and playing in talent shows. And it would just uh, seem like that, you know, from an early age, I was headed in that direction. How did you meet up with the rest of the Lone Star guys? Did that happen when you got to Nashville or did it happen before that? Well, actually... um, it happened uh, probably in 1991. I was living in Dallas, Texas, working for Coca-Cola, and Opryland USA was having auditions for the theme park there in Arlington, Texas. So I went out to do audition to try to, you know, I wanted to be in Nashville, just trying to make my way there, just trying to figure out how to get there, and thought that would have been a good vehicle through Opryland back when they had the theme park. and. So there I was, uh, waiting my turn to go sing and dance on stage, and um, I was using the restroom, and Dean Sams was in there, and he'd already been a part of the cast uh, a couple of years prior, but he had left, but he had to re-audition. And we were talking, we exchanged numbers, and long story short, uh, Dean, basically, he, he got to one of the parts that day. I didn't, and uh, you know I, stayed, I continued working at Coca-Cola, and then uh, it wasn't long after that. I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, you know, take a leap of faith. And um, you know, I gave my notice to Coca-Cola and moved to Nashville. And Lori and I were out at Opryland USA one day, and we saw Dean up there dancing on stage. And after the after they got through, went up and introduced reintroduced myself. I said, Hey, I said, remember I met you in Arlington at the auditions and. Anyway, we just exchanged numbers, and uh, wasn't long after that, I was working at the uh, Tennessee Farmers Co-op, and I got a phone call from Dean uh, one night, and he said he was going to start a band. And John Rich had worked at Opryland with Dean as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Britt uh, was working at Pizza Hut at the time, and uh, Dean was just trying to piece this band together, Lone Star, or which was Texas C at the time when we put it together. Um Dean had gone into Pizza Hut looking for Michael Britt, found him in there delivering pizzas. And then we went through several drummers before Keith Rainwater uh, came on board. Uh, He came from Texas as well. So we were all from Texas but really didn't meet until we got to Nashville other than Dean and myself. But we all played in different, you know, regional bands around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And um, Keith Keith and Michael had played in a band uh, called Canyon, which they had some national success, but yeah, we um, that's kind of where it started back in you know early nineties. It's kind of interesting to see kind of how the pieces all fell in place, and then when the band does get together, that that first single comes out in nineteen ninety five, Tequila Talking. It was just a tequila talking. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a, a great start for you guys. You guys are kind of off and running after that one, huh? Yeah, it really was a great start. You know, uh, we'd, we'd uh, 
been up and down the road, you know, U.S., Canada, playing, you know, bars and, and dive bars, just anywhere we could play to pay the bills, really, and, you know, just kind of hone our skills. And uh, and we were playing the Wild Horse Saloon, you know, probably twice a month at the time, and it was good for us because a lot of the industry would come out and look at bands that were playing their artists, and um, we had to – we had some interest from RCA BNA Records, and um, they started coming out and watching the band, and it's kind of where it all started. Tequila talking the first single, but the first number one was the follow-up, No News, and that's how my memories of Lone Star began. My first memory of you guys was No News. Uh, it was one of my favorite songs back in 1996. It feel pretty good to get that first number one hit with that one? Oh, absolutely. You know, um you know, as as young musicians and young artists, and you're listening to the radio and you hear all these songs, and then you start hearing how big a deal that number ones are for for artists, and not easy to come by. So uh, we were really uh, we were really proud of that moment, and you know we didn't take it for granted. And uh, but no news was really, you know, like you said, it was just kind of a I don't know for the times it was a unique song I think just yeah. even for us to do, but just the rapid fire lyric and. Um, still a fan favorite to this day. Those two come off of that debut album, Lone Star, your second album, Crazy Nights. You come with the, the lead single, Come Crying to Me, which to this day is, is probably still my favorite Lone Star song. I think you guys sound so awesome on that, you in particular. Um, and I just love what the song's about, Come Crying to Me. What do you remember about that, Richie? Well, I remember uh, John Rich bringing it in after he had, you know, they, they wrote it one day and we, we were looking for songs and he brought it in and he played it for us and we said, man, that's a great song. And then, you know, we look forward to cutting it and then just watching it climb the charts. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it really lent itself to the, to the Lone Star harmonies, especially. I just was kind of going back and listening to some Lone Star last night, preparing for this interview. And I came across a video of you and, and John reuniting at his place out in Nashville. It might've been at a CMA fest or something like that. And you guys were singing it together. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, that may have been his birthday, one of his birthday parties. Okay. I'm thinking it was, but yeah. yeah. So I remember that night we got on stage, and, you know, John, you know, a lot of people don't know the whole story about John leaving the band, but it was a long, I think it was about the right after Crazy Nights when the label asked us to uh, basically, you know, we were kind of doing the Brooks and Dunn thing. We had two lead singers, me and John Rich, and, uh, the label really wanted us to kind of focus more on one lead singer and just kind of get a, a focus on, you know, one sound. And so it just ended up being the label wanted me to be the voice of Lone Star. And, and John just didn't want to sit back and, you know, play the bass, you know, and just sit back in the wings and just sing background. He he, he wanted to be an artist and, you know, deservingly so. So uh, it was right after Crazy Nights, I believe, is when he left and, Went on to own half of Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things turned out pretty well for him. He went on and did his big and rich thing, and, uh, yeah, I think it worked out for both sides, didn't it? Well, it did, and, you know, you know, John brought so many great songs to the table, you know, and uh, he was such a great entertainer. Just <clears throat> watching him on stage, he just really knew how to uh, handle a crowd back then, and, and he still does to this day. I mean, you, watching him with big, big and rich, he just – a guy, he's he's one of the most talented guys I know in Nashville. From writing songs to producing to, you know, to entrepreneurial, you know, everything that he does, he just 
he's a he's a smart smart young man. John wrote "Come Crying to Me," but you wrote "Everything's Changed," which is another amazing song off of that Crazy Nights album. I loved it when I was a kid because I was ten years old or so when that came out. But as I get older, each year that passes by, I start relating to it more and more, and it just really sticks with me. Yeah, well, I think you know that that's a special song to me because as a songwriter, I wrote it with a couple of guys, Larry Boone and Paul Nelson, who were having really big success back in the nineties, and um, that was special to me because it was my it was my very first number one as a songwriter. Mm. And but that you know that song a lot of people could relate to because it did talk about you know the the towns the small towns that were changing you know with with the um, corporate and whatever you know you know putting up a plant where there used to be a parking lot or you know just mm-hmm. a lot of people could relate to that song and then you know things are going pretty well for you at that point for the band and then they go from going pretty well to just blowing up beyond probably your wildest dreams when lonely grill came out and I think Amaze probably drove a lot of that success, right? Oh, without a doubt. 1999. Uh, Never forget it, you know. And the crazy thing is, uh, this is another little bit of trivia that a lot of people don't know. But So, um, you know, we really uh, switched gears right after, I guess it was Crazy Nights into Lonely Grill. So we lost John Rich. Uh, We gained a new producer uh, in Dan Huff and, he kind of had a vision, you know, just uh, sonically where this band should be going, and the songs that he were, was looking for, you know, you know, was amazed. Uh, I believe. What about now? Um, trying to think, what else was? Um, tell was, her. This, yeah. Yeah. Tell with me. Yeah. Yeah. With me. Tell her. Uh, Lonely Grill, obviously, but I don't know. It was um, we kind of we threw away the cowboy hats and you know, just kind of. We're, we're ourselves, you know. We just said, All right, let's just, this is the music. This is what it sounds like. This is what we want to look like. And uh, we never had, you know, we had no idea that, uh, you know, we were sitting around listening to songs and song meetings and we heard Amazed and we heard the, you know, I'll never forget Bill Luther singing that song and just, man, he's, it sounded like a hit with him singing it. And uh, what I was going to tell you is that, so we came with a song, first single off the Lonely Girl album was a song called Saturday Night. And it was definitely a stretch, and it was uh, it was a risk that you know we took, the label took, and it was just S A T U R D A Y. It was just a a really different song for us to be putting out, but we were just going for it, you know. And as we saw Saturday Night um, just kind of getting stuck in the charts and not doing anything, we thought, uh oh, uh, that's a mistake. And it was kind of like a um, it's kind of like a mulligan in golf. So we took a mulligan on the single, took, you know, we took Saturday night off. We, you know, we said, all right, okay, wait, wait, we don't want to put this out. We want to put this out. And that's when they came back with Amazed. Wow. And, and the rest is history. You know, nine week number one, ten week number one. Um, you know, that album, I think, went on to sell probably four million. Uh, that song, you're right, it kind of it blew up. It did a... It did a lot for us, and uh, we got to travel the world a couple of times, play for presidents, uh, being a lot of weddings, and um, yeah, that was a that was a huge song for Lone Star. What what a big move to kind of recognize that okay, this isn't working, and then kind of switch gears and 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 come with Amazed instead, especially being at a big transitional point in your careers because things are going pretty well before that. 
You know, it's not like you weren't having success. So to change into this this kind of new mode and then have the wherewithal to then put out Amazed instead of Saturday Night, I mean, that some smart decisions were being made. Well, I think we got, you know, I think it was, you know, we got lucky. Uh, a lot of times you don't get a second chance to say, hey, uh, you know, because there's so many artists and talented artists and that have great songs that, you know, that take up spots, you know, on the radio, we just got really lucky, and they, you know, we were given a second chance to say, oh, "Okay, well, we're not going to play this one, but we will play that one." It did start a streak of five straight number ones for you. Spent eight weeks at the top of the chart. The next one I wanted to ask you about, though, was "Walking in Memphis," uh, the Mark Cohn cover. At that time, I didn't know who Mark Cohn was. I'm well versed now, but back then, your version was the only version I'd known. What made you want to cover it? Well, I mean, it's something that we did, and, and you know, back in the Texas Sea days, it was. Just one of those songs that we did as a cover, you know, just because, you know, um, bar band, cover band, you're playing, you're playing top 40 and cover music. And, and I think I was doing it at Soundcheck one day and Joe Galani, uh, our, you know, RCA president at the time, I think he had heard, heard us doing it at Soundcheck and he goes, you know what? Y'all should re-record that. And, and that's when we did. Did you feel like it was a bold choice to release it as a single, or I mean, at that point, I guess you had enough credibility under your belt to where you could you could do something like that, huh? Yeah, and I think you know, um, try to make it our own. Mark, you know, Mark Cohn had the best version of it because he wrote it, and um, but we kind of changed it up a little bit. Mark had a little push in there that I played it. At, you know, I played the piano part back then, and I just couldn't sing and push it. You know, at the same time, it was like walking and chewing bubble gum and whatever, but. Um, you know, the artists were known to re-record something at some point in their careers, and we just thought it would probably be a good cover to do. So we slapped a little steel guitar and fiddle on it and made it a country song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that just makes everything better, doesn't it? And I'll tell you, one thing people should never overlook about Richie McDonald is your songwriting chops. You've had other artists record some of the songs you've written, too. I think you've written for, like, John Michael Montgomery, Clay Walker, uh, Billy Dean, Let Them Be Little. I know Lone Star did that one as well. Sarah Evans. Mm-hmm. So a lot, lot of people you've been able to work with that have uh, picked up your songs. Yeah, you know, when I first came to town, that was really all I wanted to do. I just wanted to become a great songwriter, you know, and start writing with all these great songwriters and, you know, just getting better at it. And um, I don't know, that was always what I really wanted to do. I never had really intention, any intentions of getting in a band. It just kind of, that's what happened, and I'm glad it did. But uh, I still... You know, I, I still songwriting is still very important to me. I don't do as much of it as I used to, you know, back in the day. But I need to do more of it. I just, you know, I don't know. I think during COVID, COVID kind of changed the things for a lot of people, you know, and uh, the music industry. Anyways, nothing was happening, so I basically, you know, I spent my time doing stuff around the house. My wife, we had talked about putting in a swimming pool forever, and so I took four almost five months to put in a pool. I did it myself. When I should have been writing songs, I was out there in the backyard putting in a swimming pool. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy doing stuff like that as well. You know, I'm always doing something around the house, fixing stuff, building stuff. And uh, But the truth is, um, uh, songwriting gave me the opportunity to do that, you know, and uh, I'll never forget that. As you look back in your time with Lone Star, what do you kind of take out of it? What What do you remember most or appreciate most about your run with with the band? You know what? I just think about um, where we started and um, 
what all we achieved, you know, the success that we had and the, and the lives that we touched and the music. Hopefully, you know what, will we ever be members of the Country Music Hall of Fame or the Grand Ole Opry? I don't know. But um, we definitely, uh, we, uh, we made some fans out there, you know, in the 28 years that we were together. And um, hopefully uh, we, we'll be remembered by them as, uh, you know, you know, four or five guys that uh, made a difference in their lives. Do you ever think you'll join back up with the guys? Is that still a possibility? Glenn, I can't. Uh, that's crazy talk, Glenn. Uh, what, what are you thinking? I mean, no. I. You know what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you never know. Um, I really love love what we're doing right now. I love what I'm doing right now with with Tim Rushlow and Larry Stewart. Um, the front man is um, is just something that um, we're just really trying to make this thing work. And I think it's very unique. Um, it's a very unique band you know with the with the, all the hits that we have so i don't know right now we're really focused on the front men and doing this and and um who knows maybe one of these days you know before we get too old we'll have a uh, restless heart lone star and little texas reunion there you go <laughs> we'll just leave the door open how about that <laughs> yeah we'll leave it open <laughs> Richie McDonald, our guest, formerly of Lone Star, now doing his thing with the front men of country. And if you want to relive all these Lone Star, Little Texas, and Restless Heart songs, find a front men of country show near you, and Richie will be glad to see you when you come out, won't you, Richie? Absolutely. We want everybody to come out. We really do. We're just, uh, you know, it's that time of the year. We've just kind of been home, just itching to get back on stage, and uh, we're excited about this. You won't you won't regret it. I mean, it'll be, um, it'll be over before you know it because you just – all these songs are flying by you going, wow, I didn't know that was a number one. I didn't know that was a number one. I didn't know they sang that song. I didn't, you know, it just, it goes fast. It really does. And, but it's, uh, it's, it's very entertaining. Well, Richie, this has been great. One of the reasons I love my job is because I get to talk to folks like you. I can't thank you enough for coming on the honky tonk time machine. And I, I wish you good luck with the front men of country. Well, Glenn, I thank you for, for all your time. You gave me way more than I deserve, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I take what I can get. So it, it, <laughs> you, you stayed with me, so I kept talking. I'm sorry if I took too well, much of your time. <laughs> oh, no. Are you kidding me? You, I mean, I know you said you're younger, and you, you know, and, uh, but I, I can tell that you've done your homework, and you know, you know your history in country music for sure. I'm flattered to hear you say that. Thanks again, Richie, for doing this, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Awesome. Absolutely.